Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Let's uh, open our Bibles. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 17. We're going to begin something today um, that I'm going to carry on for the next uh, probably three to four weeks. Um, And it's something that I've really been uh, just sort of... uh, processing with God and just praying and uh, so much so that that uh, it kept me up a lot of the night just trying to navigate what I really felt God wanted me to do and uh, you know it's um, it's part of the journey when it comes to sort of communicating God's word just trying to land exactly where where he wants uh, where he wants us to uh, to land um, but I'm going to begin and uh, I'm going to share with you we're going to take from um, a an idea, if you like, um, from this this portion of scripture in uh, in Numbers, and uh, I want to read it to you. And I'm going to get you actually to repeat a couple of words as we go along, because I want to draw their attention to you. you. Ready? Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. We good? Yeah. Sure. All right. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them. Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see. I want you to say these two words out loud. And see. Say it again. And see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not. But be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the season. I want you to say those two words for me. The season. season. Say it again. The season season. of the first ripe grapes. Now, I want you to say these four words all together. And see the season. And see the season. Today, I want to talk about um, a simple title for this little sermon. Um, it's simply titled this, What Do You See? What Do You See? And this is the first little message or conversation surrounding a series that we're going to begin. And the series is going to cover the topic, or really it's deeper than a topic, a revelation of seasons seasons I actually believe that this is one of I'm I'm careful when I say this but I do believe this is one of the most powerful revelations that we can get in our walk with God is when we know what it is to understand to navigate to process to discern and to journey through seasons. And, and, and again, I'm cautious to say this as well because I understand the pressure that comes with it. But I do really feel, and you don't hear me say this often, I do really feel that this is a prophetic um, thought that God is really um, inviting us to unpack for our life. 
And the reason why I think it, it, it's prophetic is as I've begun to look at, at Scripture through this lens of identifying seasons, I'm struck at how prevalent this theme is all throughout Scripture, but also our day-to-day life. And I was challenged as I began to unpack it and, and process it, I was actually challenged in and of myself, and I want to put this challenge to us, that we accept, understand, and journey through seasons in every single area of our life, yet when it comes to our walk with God, we find it much more difficult to navigate and to accept the fact that God does things through seasons. When we look at our life and we look at just the way everything from a child that is born and and journeys through different seasons of growing up, we don't put an expectation upon a child that's outside of its season. We don't go up to our three-year-old and ask him why he's no good at, at going to college or why he hasn't studied enough because we understand that that's not fair to put that type of expectation upon him. Not because he won't one day be able, but it's simply the expectation is outside of the season that he's in. We would not go up to a three-month-old and challenge the three-month-old to walk. That would be bizarre, wouldn't it? You would almost be not a great parent if you did that. And I'm, I'm baffled at how we accept these norms in regard to seasons of our life, but then ignore them when it comes to seasons in our walk with God. And what we do is we don't want to accept that God does things through seasons. We want to believe that God does things now. And if we cannot embrace this concept of seasons, it's possible that you can stay where you are with a desire to move forward, but not allow God to do the work in you to prepare you for the next season he has for you. And learning what it is to, to navigate seasons, this is, it speaks to the way in which God does things. If we look even at Genesis and, and even the creation of the world, he did things according to seasons. We accept it and we understand it in relation to our weather patterns, summer, autumn, winter, spring, or summer, fall. We call it different things in Australia. But, but we understand and we accept things that are relevant to each particular season, don't we? You may have your you know, pretty new winter coat that you want to wear desperately. You don't get frustrated and angry at summer that you can't wear your winter coat because you understand that it's just a season. And you don't try and force your winter coat upon summer because it's not going to fly. And you know that if you're just patient right now, your pretty little winter coat, and you'll be able to layer up in winter and take a selfie and show everybody your new outfit. And we accept all of these things, but when it comes to God, we find it so difficult and we want to just 
present God and believe that God is just on this singular level where if I do, then he has to respond and that's how things operate. But I want you to track with me as we have a look in Scripture that even God himself abided by seasons. I want you to consider that Jesus spent 30 years building tables and chairs as a carpenter and then spent only three years in ministry. That's such a bad use of time to me. Doesn't make sense, does it? This will be something that when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. I'll be that guy in heaven, you know, like... You know when you're at like a party and someone walks in and everyone's like, who invited this guy? That's going to be me in heaven. All the other jokers will be sitting around God like talking and I'll roll up and be like, hey, listen, we can talk, but I've got some questions, bro, because there's a lot I still don't understand. I think it's a great question. Why would you spend 30 years doing nothing really for the kingdom? And if you can do what you did in three years, imagine what you could have done with 33 years. That is a great question, even though you don't want to admit it. But really, as I look at it, I see the answer is the answer was it just wasn't his season. So much so that when Jesus is at the wedding of Cana and they run out of wine, His mum comes to him and says, hey, do something about this. What does he say to his mother? He says, it's not my time. And we'll look at in in these coming weeks actually what happened there and why Jesus, even though it was outside of his season, he submitted to his authority on earth and did what she told him to do. But there are portions in Scripture where Jesus is actually one in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 to 3, where Jesus is dealing with the with Pharisees and the Sadducees and they said to him give us a sign you know do a trick like show us something and he gets upset with them he says this and testing him asked them that he would show them a sign from heaven he answered and said to them when is it evening uh, when it's evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be foul weather today For the sky is red and threatening, hypocrites, he calls them. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I think there is a mandate upon us as believers. There's an expectation upon us to actually discern the seasons. The world, believe it or not, is actually looking to us, even though they don't realize it. But they're looking to believers who have a deeper understanding to actually help to settle people in the season because we can discern what God is doing and that there's a plan in place. But so often we as believers... We get caught up in the same anxiety, the same turmoil, the same pain, the same fear that the world is in simply because we will not discern the season and ask God, what are you doing right now and what is the best way for me to respond? 
God does things in seasons. He does things in seasons. One of the, the, the moments that promoted Joseph to such great levels of favor in Egypt was when Joseph was actually able to interpret a dream that gave the king insight as to the season. Maybe the breakthrough that you're believing for in your life is going to come by way of you recognizing and discerning the season that you're in. I want you to even, as I'm sharing today and talking about this, I want you to begin to ask yourself in your heart, what season am I in? What is God speaking to me right now? Because different seasons require different responses. In fact, one of the verses in Scripture that we know, he talks about us producing fruit in our season. In our season. Even when, even when I'm planted right, it says, and we know this verse, but I want to read it to us anyway. Psalms 1, verse 2 to 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree. So he's speaking of, of somebody that's doing good. Okay, let's, let's just summarize it like that. Someone who's crushing it. Someone who's being a good Christian. Right? Bible reading, praying, going to church doing the dance, all right? They're, they're, they're doing great. You know what he says of that person? You're going to be like a tree. Okay, this is good. You're going to be planted by the rivers of water. Okay, this is good. That brings forth fruit. Okay, this is good. We're on a roll. But look at the next thing. But brings forth fruit when? In its... Oh, see, that sucks because I thought that if I was doing good all the time then I would always be producing fruit. So that sucks because that means that there are moments in my life where I'm going to be exactly where I need to be, but produce no fruit. And that's frustrating because you're doing everything that you need to be doing, but nothing seems to be happening. And that's why it's important for you to understand this concept of seasons lest you leave where you are, leave where you're planted, leave where God's called you to be, uproot and go somewhere else because you've created fruit in your life as the idol of your life. And so if you're not producing fruit, you'll think you're wrongly planted. But the verse says you may not be producing fruit, but that doesn't always mean that you're not planted right. And if you understand the season, you'll be able to discern when you need to go and when you need to stay. So it's simply understanding how do I navigate, recognize, embrace Seasons, that's one of the challenging ones is to embrace it because we can unpack it as an idea. But, but if we don't embrace it, if we don't receive it for our life, it will be an idea that's on the outer that's never anything that we actually experience. 
I actually think that the source of so much frustration in our life is as a result of our inability to discern the season. I think many of our frustrations with God, with people, is simply because we haven't been able to discern the season. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about seasons in our life. We're going to talk about how do you navigate seasons of pain really well? How do you navigate trauma and walk through that understanding that according to Scripture, grief, loss, pain, there is a time for it. Time to laugh. There's a time. How do I, this is crap stuff to preach because no one wants to shout about it, but it's just life. Won't hype you today, but it'll help you tomorrow. And how do I, if there's a time to laugh, a time to cry, how do I cry in faith? Because the two feel like they're in contrast to one another. So how do I accept that right now this sucks and I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy, but it's a season. And how do I not rush it? Because in our super spiritual Christianese language, sometimes what we can do is we could just push this message on people, say you've got to have faith and you've got to believe and you've got to pray. And what we actually do with the, with the right heart is we rush people through a season that God wants them to walk through. And you ask any psychologist, that will tell you that that is detrimental to their healing and that will actually slow up and can actually cause lifelong issues and challenges of trauma and pain in your life simply because you didn't heal properly when you were supposed to. And it's actually at times that... The, the ultimate faith to walk through a season that's really painful slowly. And just trust God each day and just believe that the ordered steps of a righteous person are not intimidated by the darkness of your pain. And, and he walks you through it. And so we're going to talk about some of these ideas and some of these concepts. But today I want to just give you a, a little thought. I wanted to spend most of today really setting up what we're going to do for the next few weeks because it's not the sort of thing that we can just hit on surface. And, and that's why it's important um, for us to, you know, each week because this is how I believe God wants us as, as, as ministers, as pastors, to build people. We're not called, I'm not called to build his church. I'm called to build people and God builds his church. And sometimes as, as communicators, we, we want to build the church and so we rush people through a process that should take time and people miss out on being built. And so we're going to do that across these weeks. So I wanted to spend most of today really setting up for you what 
we're going to do. But I do want to give you this thought that I think is really critical um, to, to seasons. And it's surrounding that question, what do you see? I got you to repeat those words. And, and the four words were, and see the season. And see the season. Twelve spies were sent out. They were sent out to really scout out the land and see what they were dealing with. But we know the story, and if you don't, the 12 spies got sent out. But two of them come back with a good report. Two of them come back with faith. Ten of them do not. And I want you to see the connection between what they saw and the season that they were able to step into. Because even though there were two different reports came back, all 12 of them were right about what they said. Because the 10 that said we can't do it were right, and they didn't. But the two that said they could, they stepped into the next season that God, of what God had for them. Why? Simply because the way they saw it. So your perception, I want to give you three quick things I want you to write down and you're going to take with you and talk it more in small groups. And I'll give them extra notes, the leaders. But I want you to write down these, these couple things. I want you to write down perception sets your direction. That's the first thing. Your perception is not what you're facing. It's the way you see what you're facing. So based on your perception, the way you see things, that will set your direction. So you can look at things in your life and the way in which you see it can cause you to go a direction of faith or fear completely dependent upon your perception. And you can look at difficulties in your life and see challenges and obstacles either as opportunities for God to guide you through and walk you through, or you can see them as a battle that's going to beat you. And if you see it as a battle that's going to beat you, you will always walk in defeat and you will never step into the next season that God has for you. This is where 10 of the spies were left. We have to embrace this idea that God in His in his graciousness, he is willing to take us on this journey of adjusting our vision and our perspective on what we face to step into the season that he's called us to next. Or maybe it's to navigate the season that he has you in right now. Maybe the frustration that you feel is not because the enemy has so much power over your life or your season. Maybe it's because you're looking at something with the wrong perspective. There's a great vision that the prophet Ezekiel had. We know it as the vision, the valley of dry bones. God brings Ezekiel down in this vision that he has. And he sets him down right in the middle of, we can interpret it as just the mess. And he's sitting in there amongst dry bones, no life whatsoever. And God asks him in this vision, this seemingly sort of bizarre sort of question. 
But in the middle of the bones, he says to him, Ezekiel 37 and verse 2, or verse 3, I'm sorry. He says to him, son of man, can these bones live? I want you to think about the fact that God is asking him, can they live? Because we know that God can, regardless of what Ezekiel says, God can make them live or he cannot. Whether God will do it though is contingent upon Ezekiel's ability to see something different. So he says to him, can they live? Essentially he's saying, hey Zeke, what do you see bro? What do you see? Because what I do next is contingent upon what you see. And yes, I'm all powerful. And yes, I'm God. But I've chosen you to do things through. And if you can't see it, you won't be it. And I'm going to have to keep you in this season of dryness until you grow and open your eyes. And then I can do something not just in you, but through you. But I need you to be with me and look at things the way I do. Can you see it? Because what you see right now is going to guide your next step. What you see right now, and you're either going to take a step of faith or a step of fear. A step of doubt or a step of believing God. It's your ability to see Another story in Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4 is a story of a woman that we know as the Shunammite woman. She's a woman who was very wealthy. The Bible says that she was a notable woman. The prophet is coming into town. He's coming into town and the wording in the King James says that she says to her husband, I, and look at these wordings, she says to her husband, I perceive that this guy is a man of God. She picked up, she saw something in the spirit. She perceived something about this man that set him apart. And because of what she perceived, it guided her next steps and her next direction. When she perceived that this was a man of God, she said, I can't let him go by. I can't let him just hang out. We got to create space for him. We, we got to build a room for him. This guy's a man of God. I don't want him to just visit our house. I want him to stay. I need him in our house. And because of that, it set her up for a miracle, listen, that she never asked for. She, she had not had a son. And if you read the story, even when the prophet said, what can I do for you? She said, I'm good, bro. I don't need much. And then look at what happens. The prophet's servant. This, this is what can happen in your life when you begin to see things in the Spirit. God will bring things onto your plate and you, He will open doors for you that you didn't have to even touch the doorknob because what happened was the prophet's servant stepped in and he said, no, no, bro, listen, she hasn't got a son. And then the prophet said, all right, we're going to do this. I'm going to give you a son. Something that she had not even asked for. I believe prophetically that there are things that God has put down within your spirit that is so big 
and so bold and so supernatural and so beyond your natural gifting and ability, you don't even tell it to anybody. But I believe as you begin to understand the season and navigate it correctly, God's gonna open doors for you that are gonna be so great and so mighty and so prophetic and so profound in your life. He's gonna begin to unpack for you and unlock for you things that you didn't even have to ask for. Why? Simply because you had a perception and you perceived and you navigated it correctly. I believe, and I know you know that I don't often say this, I believe prophetically that there's business people in here and God is going to do things in and through your business simply as you navigate the season. As you navigate the season. I've talked to business men and women across the years that in the middle of the greatest downfall, in the middle of greatest inflation, in the middle of the biggest challenges and difficulties and, and, and financial strain that people are in. But when God's hand was upon business men and women, He would guide them and He would direct them. And there was something about the favor of God in the darkest season and the most challenging time that He would guide and He would order their steps. And things would come across their path. It's all about how you navigate the season. But we have to see our perception sets our direction. The second thing I want you to write down. Your perception sets your direction. The second thing, perception selects your people. When you have kingdom perspective you start choosing kingdom people i want you to notice that caleb was not without joshua and joshua was not without caleb that based on on what they saw the 12 were separated it went from one group of 12 to two groups one of 10 and one of two some people are called to you for a reason. Some people are called to you for a season. And it's not that people necessarily are bad or a bad influence. Friendships that you have. But, but not every friendship that you have is called to walk with you through every season you journey. And your ability and your perception of what you're dealing with and what you're navigating will actually help you to be more selective of the people that you're going to journey with. Because in this story, the Bible says that and they went out into the land and they saw all of the there was a battle. They saw the battle. They saw the issues. They saw the challenges. But remember what they were told to do. Go and get some grapes. Grapes. And it actually says figs as well and pomegranates. And, and the story says that they got the grapes. And they loaded the grapes, it says, on, on a pole. And it had two dudes that carried the pole. One at the front and one at the back. It doesn't tell us, in Numbers 13, chapter 23, it doesn't tell us who these two guys were. But I bet I can guess who carried it. I bet the two dudes that carried the grapes 
and again, I'm not saying it's not in there, so this is just my thought. But I bet it was the same two guys that came back and said, we can do this. I bet it had Joshua and I bet it had Caleb carrying the grapes. Because when you're navigating seasons, you need to have those people in your life. It will cause you to be more selective of the people that you have in your life. Because navigating seasons, you need people that will put their focus on blessing over battle and help journey that through with you. Those people that can, can remind you that even in the middle of the battle, let's, let's not forget, right, this promised land was rough. Let's not pretty it up like there wasn't still a fight. And sometimes we take this, this little portion of the story and, and we put, we overemphasize, let me just say, like, we overemphasize how good grapes are. Let's say it like that. Look, you've got to understand, bro, the, the promised land, there were giants. I mean, there were killers out there. It was rough. There were mountains to climb and cities to win and battles to fight. And I get it. I get that there's grapes and, and that's great. But, bro, there's still grapes. Like you got a joker coming at you wanting to take your head off. A grape is only going to give you so much peace. But knowing how to navigate, when you've got to navigate seasons that you're in, especially when you're in dark seasons, when you have the right people around you and you've been selective of the people around you, those people will help you pick up something so small in the middle of a big battle that appears unwinnable and grab that little grape and say, bro, listen, I know those jokers are all out there, but look at this. And those sort of people, sometimes you sort of want to be like, bro, are you kidding me? This dude's about to take our head off and you bring me grapes? What? But then you need someone to come back and say, no, 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 I know, bro. But look at this. Look at this. I need those type of people in my life. I need those type of people when you're in the middle of a battle, they'll go grab a couple grapes and say, I know it looks dark, I know it looks dim, but look at what God has done. Look at how faithful God has been. It will adjust. I want you to consider David, right, when David came up against Goliath. I want you to think of this dude. I want you to think about, Keith can come because I don't want to over, overdo my time on this. I want you to consider that David goes out. I want you to consider what separated David from the rest of the men out there fighting. Because they were both facing the same giant. And, and what David saw and what the men who were born killers, fighters, saw was the same thing but a different perspective. And David goes back to Saul and he's like, hey, let me, let me take this dude out. And Saul's like, bro, like, this guy's been killing cats since you could walk. Like, you're going to get rolled. And I love David's response because it tells me what David saw when he looked at Goliath. 
because David's response, first response, was, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, God has been faithful to me. And I know there's a killer out there. But when I went after a bear, when I went after a lion, God did it. And even though they were facing the same battle, something different was activated in their spirit. You had men who were born fighters and fear was activated. But in a little boy, the faithfulness of God was activated. And it was the faithfulness of God that fueled his next steps. And then watch this. Gathered later on in his life, gathered other men around him that we know as David's mighty men. Because birds of a feather flock together and we use that in relation to the negative, but it works the same with the positive. And you need people in your life that will remind you that even though there's a battle, still some graves. Because what we don't understand was to these men, this was their life source. And grapes didn't just represent fruit right now. It represented good soil. So when they took back the grapes, it wasn't just showing something good in that season. It was showing that there's something good now that represents good dirt for later as well. They saw something that was so big, it wasn't just representative of where they were, it was representative of where they were going. This is, this is where having the right perspective helps you select the right people. Because you've got to have people that are walking with you that see not just where you are, but where God's called you to. I need those people. I need those people when I want to give up, when I want to stop, when I say it's too hard. They'll sit with you for a minute and let you vent but then they'll pick you up and say, let's keep going. The last thing I want you to write down, the last thing, the last thought. And as I said, we're going we're to continue all through these next few weeks and look at seasons. Your perception, your perception, it's the way you see things. Your perception picks your battles. Picks your battles. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12 to 13, he says, fight the, say these next two words for me, good fight. Fight the what? If he's telling us, if Paul's telling, this is Paul to Timothy, and he says, I want you to fight the good fight, then that means that there are alternative fights that you can get distracted fighting, that you're not called to fight. One of the most powerful guides as you navigate seasons in your life is knowing what battle to pick. And this is one of the things that I think the enemy has used across these last few years, especially when it comes to the body of Christ, is the power of distraction to get us off mission. My battle isn't with people. Your battle is not against Republicans or Democrats. 
Your battle's not against political leaders. You think they're that powerful? They're not. Yes, they may have the power to make certain decisions, but when you allow that to become your focus, you minimalize your calling. All authority, Jesus said, under heaven and on earth, I've given to who? I've given to you. I'm not going to let the enemy lure me into some battle that I'm not anointed to fight. I'm not that dumb. But this is what he does. This is how he works. And one of the most powerful things to you navigating your season is knowing what battle to fight. Knowing how to, how to pick your battles. Paul was so good at this. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against according to the flesh. How many battles do you fight in relation to other people? I wish you would be honest in this room and raise your pretty little religious hand. Because every single one of you jokers should have your hand in the air saying, People drive me nuts! And I want to slap them. And they annoy me. And I'm sick of it. And they drain my faith and my energy. And they cause me anxiety. And they cause me stress. You know what Paul says? Paul says, you don't war against them. That's not where your fight is. So set yourself free and remind yourself that there's a calling and a mandate that's upon your life for this season right now. And there is no person, no person that can stop that. How easy do we let people steal our joy? Bro, you leave the house all pumped up, excited. You hit that 405. And they're always in a Prius, aren't they? I'm so sorry. Uh, please don't. Please don't. It's a very economical vehicle. And I highly support it. But they, they, you, can, you can lose your peace in a second because of a person. Pick your battles. And even when the battle is spiritual, and even when the enemy does come, don't let him lure you into his way of fighting. You've got to hold true to what God, the way in which God has told you to fight. And you've heard me say it a thousand times, but I refuse to fight a devil that's already been beat. And I'm not going to let him lure me into. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And you've heard me say this, but there's a difference between a fight and a wrestle. A wrestle, what Scripture's talking about, is all about holding your ground. That's how you overcome the enemy. And what he will do is he will bring things your way 
simply to get you to move. To get the moment you move off that position of faith that is grounded in God's word, that is paid for by the blood of Jesus, the enemy's already got you. It, you, we can move so quick. Doubt hits us. Bang. Now we're questioning God's word. Lack. Inflation hits us. Now I'm questioning if he's my provider or not. Difficulty in my family. Bang. Now I'm questioning has God really got my family covered or not. You see the battle? This is how you fight. You stay right where you are. And you let the devil do anything he wants to do. Do your thing. But I made a decision. It was real simple. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Take what you want. Hit as many times as you want. But like hell am I moving from where God has put me. And I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to stay planted. And I'm going to stay grounded. And I'm going to declare God's Word. And I'm going to keep praying and keep believing and keep speaking and keep praising and keep worshipping. And then anything else that happens from that point on, that's up to God because I surrendered my life to Him. And I don't have an opinion on it. All I'm going to do is submit to His Word and His plan and I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. Stand your feet right across this room. One of the best things that you can say, you want to listen. You want to give, do you want to give it to the enemy real, real bad? I'll give you something that's a real good key. I'll tell you something that he hates hearing. And the more calmly you say it to him, the worse it is. Okay, you ever been in a fight with somebody? Not because you were all saved and sanctified, but you know, like before you met Jesus, right? You ever been in a fight with somebody, and you're all worked up, and they're really calm? Oh, that just gets you, doesn't it? So let's do the same thing to the enemy. Do you want? To, I'm going to give you something that I want you to say this week, and I want that joker to hear you say it every single day. Listen, when you're in the middle of a battle, when you're in the middle of a dog fight when hell is coming against your family when he's coming against your kids against your finances you're ready to give up I mean save the listen save this little thing I'm going to give you save it for a real a real knockdown drag out don't waste it on something petty and little wait till you are crawling the very basement of hell itself and in the middle of your pain I want you to calmly just say to the enemy, it's just a season. That I feel so good right now saying that. Listen, if you say that real calm, real calm, just say, it's just a season. Look at your spouse right now or look at a friend that you know is going through hell. Give him a fist bump. Give him a hug. Go high five a couple people around you and tell them it's just a season. Remind them that God's ordering their steps and what the enemy's trying to do in your life right now is not going to last because God has something great for you. And I know it feels like you're going to stay where you are, but it's just a season and it's about to shift and you're going to navigate it and you're going to come through a better 
better than you were when you came into it because that's how good your God is. Listen, last, and I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, listen, I promise I'm going to close. But before we go, listen, I have said it this week. It's just a season. When we prayed, I shared the other week about my son, Luca, and just what he's walking through, just dealing, managing his emotions. And then he came and we know, prepped him, hey, you're going to have a good day at school, okay? You can't punch anybody today, bro, all right? It's a journey, right? We're all Discipleship's a journey, okay? But kids got a mean right hook. And so I said, bro, listen, when you feel angry, you got to tell the teacher, I feel angry, right? And we're going to talk. So we've got one good day. We're going to do it. You got this. So when he got one good day, and then one good day became two, and then he had three, and then he came, and then it kept going. And then we got to the end of the week, he had six good days. Like he didn't have to get picked up from school early, didn't have anyone, had managed his emotions, right? No complaining parents, which is embarrassing when it's our preschool, but pray for me, dear Jesus. And, and, and just went, this is how the enemy works. And I share this stuff because it might help you. And then just the next day, he starts getting this earache. He's had earaches all his life. He's got troubles with, with his ears, whatever, and he's had tubes put in and all that stuff. He's always in the water and so he gets ear infections. His mum took him to the doctor. Met the doctor, then they sent him to a specialist. They called him, they said, we need to do, operate on him on Wednesday. And then the doctor went on to say, if this doesn't work, and then this. And, and then he basically finished it by saying, it's this we're going to have to deal with. And he said some certain things that I'm not giving, I'm not putting air to, but uh, he's, you know, for the rest of his life. And I thought, we've just come out of, he's just starting, he's had a good week. Now I've got the enemy trying to come here. And a part of me was like, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm, real, I'm real nice. Until you, if you put me in a corner, I will come out swinging like a demon-possessed freaking lunatic. Pray for me, please. But I remember something got in me and I thought, I was ready to go pray. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit just say that. It's just a season. And I thought, you know what? That's all I'm going to give the devil. It's just a season. And I'm going to believe in the power of the blood of Jesus and I'm going to declare it over that kid. But you're not going to let me move. I'm not going to move from where I am right now because I'm grounded in God's Word and declaring that by His stripes I'm healed. And I speak that over my kids, over my family. I declare the blood of Jesus over your family, over your marriage, over your home, over your finance. It's just a season. And tell the devil that and remind him that God called you and anointed you and appointed you even before this season began. I need you right now to give God praise. If you know that you're in the middle of a battle, you're in the middle of a fight, I want you to praise Him right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.